Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your Hello, Truth is Life fam. So excited to be here with you for another great week and an amazing episode coming up with one of my besties, Olivia Nasida. You might already follow her. You might know her for her moody aesthetic, her really cool reels. Uh, But what you might not know is who that person is when she's not online. I have the privilege to know Olivia in real life, and I always say to her, why don't you showcase the real you? And we get into this conversation immediately in this episode, and you'll learn that it is the real her, but Olivia is very intentional about what she shares online versus what she shares with the people in her life. She has had a huge impact on me spiritually and emotionally as a friend. She's always there to catch me, to hold a mirror up, to help me grow. And I really wanted to bring her on today so that she could maybe open up and share the parts of her that don't necessarily make it to her Instagram reel. If you go to her Instagram, it looks absolutely perfect. The aesthetic is just very eye-pleasing. But the real Olivia is messy. She has anxiety. She struggles, but she's hilarious. She's witty. She's with it. And I think we captured a lot of who she is that doesn't necessarily make it to the gram. And that was my goal of bringing her on today. She shares so many interesting things that have left me really forever changed. Olivia is super clear on who she is, and she walks us through the practices that help her stay grounded throughout her day, the things she returns to, and also the thing that she just started recently doing that helps her get that clarity to be really intentional about everything that she does. She shares what it's like to have adult acne, being an influencer where everybody has perfect skin, to date with acne or any insecurity, and the one thing she did on every single first or second date that you probably have never done before. 
Olivia leaves us with a lot to chew on. I know you're going to love this episode. You're going to love Olivia. And I'm so grateful that she showed up to this podcast with an open heart, willing to let all of us into the parts of her that she really reserves for the people in her real life. If you like this episode, be sure to share on Instagram, tag the truthiest life, tag Olivia, leave us a review on Apple iTunes. I'm so grateful for your support and I'll see you back here next week. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life, everybody. Today we have one of my probably top 10 favorite humans on earth. Oh. Hello, Olivia of previously All of Eats, now Olivia Nasita. Hi. Hello, my love. So Olivia is a lifestyle blogger. What do you call yourself these days, Olivia? Yeah, I guess I call myself a lifestyle, lifestyle and wellness blogger. That's good. That works. I'm me online. You are you. And I think actually that is why you're my top 10 favorite people. I think you're kind of like a mirror of me in a little bit of a younger version and a cooler version, of course. But you're one of the few people who sees wellness the same way I see wellness and sees self-help, self-growth, introspective living, as I sometimes call it, the same way as I do, which is recognizing that there's some gritty gritty shit in wellness mm. and quote unquote feeling good. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it's funny because you were one of my first friends on Instagram. I mean, however many years now, what, five, six years ago. So I do feel like in a way I was kind of brought up by you as like an older sister figure. And there were a lot of things that I think I could have gotten drowned out for me and I could have gotten taken by. And I think having you as like a pillar of, no, this is how things are. I really do feel that way. I feel like that's part of the reason that I am the way I am and why I'm able to find so much balance and kind of what feels like a very uh, kind of like polarizing wellness world. For sure. And my favorite thing about Olivia, why I wanted to bring her on the podcast is Olivia online is not the same <laughs> as Olivia in person. And I'm not sure how much you're going to give everybody the real Olivia. Am I allowed to cuss? Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> The real Olivia is here. The real Olivia has entered the chat. But I also have learned from you so much because sometimes when I see you on social media, you know, I've talked to you about this offline and I'm like, show them the real you. Show them how funny you are. Show them how quick you are, how witty, how with it, how giving you are. And you're like, I kind of like that for my real life people. Mm -hmm. And Olivia online is still you. It's not you being fake, but it is it's like you're an artist in some way. It's a different side of me. And my boyfriend, you know, he says the exact same thing. He literally said that in the car the other day. He's like, why don't you show? I was really hangry. I was yelling at him in the car the other night. And I was just like, listen, I want to go home. I want to get a burger in my mouth right now. I don't want you to talk to me until that happens. And he was just like, why don't you show this on your Instagram? And I'm like, what do you want a private camera in the car at all times? Like, it's funny because Instagram is my work. And my life is my life. And I think I've really tried to separate the two to make sure that the people who are in my life are getting parts of me that not everybody has access to. Mm. And I think that's important for my own overall mental well being. And I try to show as much as I can of like my real self online. But like, even when I go online and I see people kind of just like, oh, you know, talking and talk, I don't want to listen to people talk all day. I really don't. And I really <laughs> like showing up to like the online world and seeing things like to me, it's such a creative space. That's what I love to use it for. And I think that one of the cooler parts about me, if I could say that about myself is that you can, I do have 
multiple facets of my personality that I love. The way that I choose to show up online is kind of my deeper, more vulnerable self, which I actually think is really cool that I'm able to share that with so many people. And the way that I show up in person and with people, you know, on a day-to-day basis is like, Hey, I fucking do what's going on. You know, talk to me. And it's a little bit different, but it's both me, both of those parts make up who I am. Yes. I think you, you worded it a lot better than I was able to. It's not that the creative Instagram vulnerable side, as you call it, isn't you. I love that part of you too. But when I'm with you, your energy is so encapsulating. It holds space for all of us around you. But at the same time, it's freaking hilarious. It's so you and it's, it makes things a bit more serious, right? It makes things a bit like I'm a lot cooler online. Like, Ooh, she's got a dark aesthetic and she's, you know, posting these cool videos and how does she get all these great (laughs) pictures behind the scene? I'm making a recipe and I'm, there is shit fucking everywhere. I'm yelling, you know, people near me are yelling and, you know, but I don't think there's number one, a desire and number two, an availability for me to show all of that. Because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm really showing like stories. One story side is 15 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. I post maybe on a, like a big day, maybe like 15 story slides. That is like three minutes of a 24 hour day. So how am I supposed to kind of get all of this wrapped up into those three minutes? That to me is way more challenging than showing up, creating art, and then like having a really clear mission about how I'm going to inspire and help people. And Mm. for me, like I mean, yeah, if a TV station called me up and was like, hey, want to do a talk show? We think you, we saw you, you might be really funny. I would love that. And I think that would show way more of my personality, but I don't have that medium right now to share. And like I was telling you, I'm so inspired creatively by what I do online that I actually find that it really feeds that part of myself that I really don't get to kind of explore in my everyday life. So yeah, it's cool. I am trying to incorporate kind of like the fun part into Instagram a little bit more. I'm not really seeing how that works yet. And it's not super authentic to me yet. So stay tuned. Well, that's the part of you that inspires me because as an open book, I really struggle with what do I want to share? And even though you're a bunch of years younger than me, I think you've really figured that out on a way that I'm really trying to figure out. And I think there's something beautiful about some areas of yourself being preserved for the people in real life. And I was so taken aback to hear you say that when I was like, Olivia, capitalize on how funny you are. Capitalize on how like entertaining you are because, you know, I mean, you're already doing amazing online, but you're a true talent as a person because you have all these facets of you and you pump the brakes and you're like, no, I like this being separate. And I was like, what would it feel like for me if that was separate? And that is inspiring. That is getting me to think. That is mindfulness to its core. And I think it's really hard to be able to separate all of that, especially when you financially, you know, are dependent on Instagram to know if you gave away this part of yourself, you'd make a lot more money, Mm -hmm. but it comes at a cost, it sounds like. And I think that's what Instagram and kind of this entire influencer culture wants from us, right? They want us to capitalize on our vulnerabilities and on specific facets of our personality just to sh- capitalize on it. Just and, and then we start to become obsessed with that, right? We're like, oh my God, well, I have this part about me and I have that part about me and that can make me money and this can make me money. And honestly, it was kind of 
my relationship that really helped me to see that not every single part of my life needs to be shared. Not every single part of my personality needs to be shared and not everything needs to be capitalized upon. And it's totally impacted positively the way that I live my life. And this is the best part to me. It's like people talk about health and they talk about wellness online and they're constantly doing these things online. And then you kind of see them in person. You're like, are you even living this like good life? Is your life, the life that I'm trying to emulate right now. And I feel a responsibility to make sure that at least for the most part, because we can't do it hundred percent of the time, but for the most part, what I'm putting online is really how I'm at least trying to live my life. And I'm trying to be truthy about it. You know what I mean? And I know that for me, balance and having separate entities of my personality are important. It's important for me to maintain my relationship with my partner. It's important for me to maintain my friendships and my relationship with my parents, to be a better friend, to be a better daughter. And I like having that, you know, and not to mention when you look at something as work, I think there's also with, you know, the culture that we're in right now, it's like work, 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 work. We're supposed to be workhorses. And I I'm just not about that. Like I'm not about working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even though, you know, I'm always thinking about work, but I can't put all of myself into one little online platform. It's not fair to the people who, who know me in person. And I think that's why I created the truthiest life, because like I said, your top 10 all-time favorite people We don't speak every single day by any means, but when we talk, you take me places like this that get me really thinking and changing and evolving and helping me become my best me. So bringing these conversations online to everybody else is kind of what inspired this because I am so lucky to know you and have these awesome conversations. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Everything you just said makes so much sense. And yet, like you said, when you meet certain people online that are living these magical lives, when you meet them in person, you're like, wait a second, what's what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then you have all this clarity about being a daughter partner, a sibling, you know, a friend. How do you get clarity around all of that instead of getting caught up in the hustle of it all? Well, I will say, truthfully, I do get caught up in the hustle of it all. So there's there's that to remember. I think we all get caught up. It comes from being mindful and it comes from, in my personal opinion, setting up practices throughout your day that allow you to take a beat and be intentional about the littlest things in your life. Huge fan of journaling, huge fan. Started literally in November. It's been three months that I started journaling every single morning. And that's been massively game-changing for me. You had said this earlier, but having people in my life that act as mirrors is the single most important thing. You know, I can't rely on myself for everything. We talk about self-love and we talk about self this and self that. You know, I need people who see me to see me and then tell me, Hey, think about this or Hey, think about that. And I think sometimes we want to shoo away that criticism. I know I do. I know I get really defensive, but I'm really lucky to have people like you, my parents, my partner, my very close friends who are my mirrors. And I call them for conversations like this to say, Oh my God, like, God, I really am getting caught up or, you know what? I actually can think about this differently. And so I do think that it's a, it's a balance of knowing yourself and setting up practices in your daily life to learn about yourself and kind of find authenticity within yourself and within your life. And then finding people and surrounding yourself with people who are energy giving, who fill you up and who also can kind of bounce yourself back to you 
and you can stop and say, am I okay with the way that I'm living? Am I okay with the things that I'm doing? Am I okay with, you know, with all of it? And for all intents and purposes, I guess I'm an entrepreneur, like whatever. So yeah, I get caught up because my life depends on me showing up every single day. All of ours do, no matter what we do, you can be in the medical field and have a, you know, medical insurance and a job. You can, you know, work at a coffee shop or you can have your own business. Your life depends on you showing up every single day. There's always going to be a season that railroads you when it feels absolutely impossible to show up. And when that happens, what can you fall back on? And how can those things give you clarity? And that's why I think routine is so important. That's why I think having stable forces in your life, whether they're friends, family, relationships, whatever they may be, maybe it's a dog, I don't know, but it's like having tools in a toolbox. And when something breaks, you pull your toolbox out and you say, okay, I have six tools here. One of these is going to help me fix whatever's you know, breaking. I love that you said, what can you fall back on? And then you kind of got into it by saying, who can you fall back on? Because that's really, for me, like the support system. Personally going through some things right now and my people are my sounding boards. And Evan is my husband, you know, you know, Evan, my husband, like he saw my text messages and he saw I had like a bunch of text messages just a close friend all about the same topic. And he's like, why are you talking to everybody about your stuff? And I was like, I'm sorry that I have friends. <laughs> First of all, what do you think girls talk about? Like, what do you think we go to lunch and talk about NFTs or which right. I guess we should now, but like yeah. sports, our fantasy team, like we talk about sex, money and relationships. And I'm right. fine with that. That's why I have my friends. Like I like to talk about that shit and I need to talk about that. And I need to get other opinions, right? The opinions when you need a mirror, when you're stuck in it, having those people to fall back on, you're lucky that it's your family. Not everybody has family, not everybody has, you know, whatever, but knowing who that is and building them up. And it's never too late to add people to, I think your, your life who are going to challenge you. And they're not going to be the best friends that you see online that are doing dances together on TikTok videos, you know, having fun. They're the friends that are challenging you. My closest friends have never been featured on my Instagram because when we get into a room together, you know, we're freaking doing the thing. We're not like, hey, everybody, look Mm -hmm. at us drinking tea and coffee, making recipe, you know? Like when you came to my house and stayed for the weekend, I don't even think we created content together. I totally agree with that. You know, a lot of girls ask me like, how do I make friends in adulthood? And kind of, you see this picture and this image of friends online, exactly that, right? They're setting up their phone, they're dancing and they're doing this. And it's like, I mean, yeah, it's great. Don't get me wrong. It's good to have friends like that. But at the end of the day, I'm exactly the same. The you know, 10 closest people in my life have probably never been featured on my Instagram. I don't know if they ever will be because my phone will probably never be out when I'm with them. And <laughs> it's not all roses and sunshine. It's fucking difficult work being friends with them, actually. And it's it's constant kind of like self-questioning and and listening to what they're going through and then saying, is this going to be me in 10 years or if they're older, you know, or was this me 10 years ago, if they're younger and kind of having these revelations about your own life, which can be, you know, I, I I'm listening to green lights by Matthew McConaughey, which I'm really loving right now. Have you read it? My brother told me amazing things about it. You know, it's really nice to listen to him because he's, you know, I think he's in like his late twenties or early thirties in the story right now. And he's had, or at least discussed about 25 mini existential crises that he's had. 
And it's really made me feel less alone because I feel like, you know, I turn 29 next month and every other week I feel like I'm something is like, who am I? Am I being authentic? Am I this? Am I that? What's going on here? And I'm constantly questioning my purpose. I'm constantly questioning who I am. And it's really great, you know, to bring it back, to have those people in your life to help you kind of sift through that. Because at the end of the day, only you're going to be able to make peace with whatever it is, but to have, like you said, a sounding board, or just to have somebody there listening to you, just trying to sift through whatever the fuck is going on in your head, I think is majorly important. And then alternatively, or additionally to have yourself and to be able to journal those thoughts and to be able to have routines of spending time alone and to know that you are all you need at the end of the day, you are going to be the one that kind of pushes you through the dirt. I think that's really powerful. And, and I feel like I'm, you know, I'm making my way to, to getting there, but it's, it's a lot of work. Well, you are the person that recommended when things fall apart by Pema Children. Yeah. Yes. You recommended that to me maybe three or four years ago. And it's one of my go-to probably the go-to book I turn to, turn to a page when I'm going through something, all through the pandemic, everything. I, there's just always a page in there. And so if anybody's listening, take book advice from Olivia. I will be getting Matthew McConaughey's book as soon as mm-hmm. we get off of here. You have influenced me. Because like I said, like you're one of the few people whose idea of wellness, self-growth, looking inward is really mirrors mine. And I've learned so much from you about that. So One thing that I really admire about you, especially this week, it's been on my mind as I've gotten a few cystic pimples. So um, I'm no stranger to acne. I grew up with acne, bacne, rachne. I mean, like- Rachne. I've never heard that phrase. When you got it, you got it, you know? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I had really bad acne, rachne, you know, on the chest, on the back, and not just like pimples, the painful kinds that literally you can't sleep at night because mm-hmm. there's pressure on them and you feel like you need to pop them, but everybody's like, don't pop them. And then you pop them and then you're, you know, you've got the scarring and, and the whole thing. And when I post images of my body, quote unquote, flaws, my stretch marks, parts of my body that, you know, people call me brave for sharing, mm-hmm. like whatever, easy for me. Mm-hmm. But when I have a freaking pimple on my face that hurts, mm-hmm. that looks like a boil that can't be covered up with makeup without making it look like it has makeup on it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not fucking showing up today. <laughs> and you have really blown my mind with your skin journey being 29, still struggling. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right word. I apologize. Yeah, sure. And sharing that to a platform where I mean, everybody's got the most perfect, glowy, dewy skin, makeup routine. Like, how did they do it? And you're really breaking down barriers for so many people who do struggle with acne. I think it's just so hard to build your self-esteem, your self-worth to date, to show up for yourself when that's going on. So tell us a little bit about your acne journey and showing up to this platform. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you for saying all that. I feel like I don't even know if I knew you had struggled with cystic acne. Did you go on Accutane? Yes. Like yeah. all throughout my teens. Okay. So you have, that's why I'm like, you have that good, beautiful, like rich skin. I still have side effects from it for anybody listening. I say pump the brakes on Accutane. I would say so too. I've never been on it and I don't think I ever will go on it, but I, I do understand that certain people need it and that's totally okay. So yeah, I, you know, same grew up with acne, 
started getting acne when I was probably 13, never really stopped. I've had, you know, good years and bad years, certain years when I'm on birth control, certain years when I'm off. But in 2020, I decided to get off of my NuvaRing, which is the birth control I was on, decided to stop spironolactone, which is an androgen blocker. It's essentially not made for hormonal acne. It's actually made for high blood pressure, but it is prescribed to people with hormonal acne, specifically prescribed to women with hormonal acne. It helped. I was so clear skinned. I was just like, at this point, I was just dating. I was literally on a different date every day. I go back and look at those pictures. I'm like, oh my God, I was so confident. I just looked, oh, I just, oh, I looked amazing. Like a baby's bottom. My skin looked like a baby's bottom. But I had a holistic esthetician who really kind of influenced me to get off of everything and try and heal myself through myself. And that was definitely a journey. It's been almost two years. It doesn't matter. What matters is that I still struggle with acne. If you can see my face right now, I still am breaking out. I'm traveling. My skin doesn't like anything. I am one of the healthier people I know. Okay. I eat whole foods. Yeah, I have like processed foods because who fucking doesn't? I enjoy French fries, like whatever. I eat very well. I drink my water. I use my skincare products. I go here. I go there. I do yoga. I do, you know what? I do everything and I still have acne. And what really started pissing me off online was seeing people who claim to clear acne with clean products and clean eating and clean this. So hold on. I'm not allowed to live my life. I'm not allowed to just like do things that I enjoy, but they're not mutually exclusive. And also I started coming to this place where I was like, well, I understand that acne isn't great, right? I understand we want to get rid of acne. That's fine. Of course I do, but I'm going to live with acne for the rest of my life. This is something that I have fully accepted. So why am I working so hard on getting rid of it versus working hard on accepting it? and accepting that it's there. And that was such a huge shift that I had where I was just like, I'm putting so much energy into hating it and wanting to get rid of it that I have no energy to accept where I'm at right now. And to accept the fact that this may be my reality for the next 10 years. It may be my reality until the day I die. I don't know. And so I started to shift my mindset and shift my energy into normalizing imperfect skin and normalizing cystic acne and normalizing not wearing makeup and normalizing redness. And I I hate to say the word normalizing again, but like, that's literally what it's about. It's about showing up every day and knowing that if you have acne that hurts and if you feel insecure about it, it is normal and it is okay. And so many people, so many more people than you think probably are dealing with it. It doesn't make you any less of a person. It does not make you any less funny. It does not make you any less kind. It does not make you any less pretty. And of course I feel like shit about my skin. I grew up reading tabloids where on the front page of every, you know, us weekly, when I was a kid at the grocery store said bad skin day for Britney Spears or, you know, da, 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 da. There's a negative stigma around acne when acne is, is a real thing. It's a real thing for people who are unhealthy. It's a real thing for people who are healthy, whatever healthy and unhealthy even mean. And I don't want to feel ashamed about having pimples on my skin because there should be no shame 
I live a good life. I live a happy life. And unfortunately, for some fucking reason, I show up every day and have red skin with zits on it. And I, I don't want to walk through my life every single day and feel like shit about it. And that's kind of where like this skin positivity journey began. And now it's really just about kind of, you know, doing things to make me feel good that maybe don't result in the clearest skin. That's not my goal. My goal is not to have like the clearest skin ever. I mean, sure. That's the ultimate goal for everybody, but like, that's like starting running, for example, and you're not a runner and then saying, I'm going to qualify for the Olympics next year. That's it. I'm qualifying for the Olympics and the marathon. Why would I put this unrealistic expectation on my body rather than just saying, no, you're doing good where you're at. Keep going. If you wake up every day and every day gets better and every day you maybe have a little bit more confidence or maybe a few more zits are gone or you're having, you know, if you look at my skin right now, anybody with clear skin would tell you that I have really bad acne. I personally think my skin is great right now because it feels good. And I feel good in my skin when I look at it. Sure. Like, yes, there's acne on it, but I am so confident in my scars and I'm so confident in my active breakouts that I don't see that anymore. I don't have that self-conscious insecurity. Yeah. I'm just like sitting with that for a minute to really just imagine what it's like to look in the mirror and see something that is a blemish for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. and not put my energy towards fighting it all day long. I think everybody for a minute, just like imagine showing up to the mirror, whether it's that I have like a 10 X mirror. I love to pop pimples. So I'm like in there all day. Oh, you don't? That would kill. Oh my God. I can't have a 10 X mirror. I would be, I think it's 15. I would, I would pay for a 20 X mirror. (laughs) I love a good zoom in to get blackheading. I do every night, every night, but imagine what it would feel like everybody to show up to a mirror, whether it's your body or your face, see something that is not normalized as attractive and say, okay, and keep trucking. The more we see what is actually normal, the more it becomes normalized. So I think you're a huge force in that. However, I do want to ask when you're having a bad skin day, Mm -hmm. does it affect your ability to allow your partner to hug, kiss, or touch you because when something either hurts on my face or makes me feel not attractive, I push away. Oh yeah. I mean, listen, I still have my days. I still have my weeks and I don't want to show up. Like you said, I don't want to show up for life. When my breakouts were really bad last year and I was going through a lot more, I had a lot more insecurity around my face. I would cry at night. I would tell Tom, like, don't look at me. Just, I don't feel beautiful. I, you know, why do you love me? I would like literally ask these questions. Why do you love me when I have this shit on me? Like, or or he'll even say to me sometimes, even last week, he was like, you're so beautiful. And I remember I was kind of feeling like I, you know, I was breaking out really bad and I just looked at him and I'm like, why are you saying that? Like I got mad at him for saying it. I was angry at him. What are you even seeing? Look at my face. I look, I'm so red right now. And he's like, no, you're so beautiful. And I think it's so easy to push people away who just see us for really who we are and who don't have these insanely impossible standards that we hold for ourselves, whether like physically, mentally, emotionally, and we need to soften. It's about softening on ourselves and on other people. And so, yeah, of course I push him away. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. 
I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About $6 million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let me back up that question a little bit more. What about when you were dating? Was it hard to let either Tom or other suitors another suitor into your life? Like, was that, did, did you feel nervous showing up to a date or were you always kind of like, this is my skin. If they like me, they like me. So yes. And I was always very, very adamant about bringing up my acne 
within the first or second date. I think one of the best ways to move over an insecurity hump is to talk about it and be vulnerable about it. I know that it's really difficult, but for everybody, so agree. yeah, like for everybody who's listening, try it. It's going to change your life. Show up to a date. If you have acne, if there's something that you're just insecure about and you're on a second date with this person, you really like them. Just be honest and be like, Hey, you know, you should know, like I've suffered, you know, tell them your story. I've suffered with acne since I was a teenager. It's something that I'm still really insecure about. I'm not really looking to have, you know, some big old sob fest about it. You can ask me any questions you have, but I do want to let you know, it's something that, you know, I'm kind of constantly thinking about and that I'm quite sensitive about. And, you know, I think it's a good thing that, you know, first of all, I've said this on every single first or second date I've ever been on. I've ever been And every single person that I've ever dated has been like, it makes literally no difference to me. Or they'll be like, oh yeah, I had terrible acne and I went on Accutane. You know, you just never know somebody's story, but it's never made a difference to literally anybody I've ever dated. Like, I think it's really easy to feel kind of gross and dirty when you have acne, even though you're probably cleaner than most people who don't have it because you're constantly washing your face. And you think that other people think that about you, but I don't think people care. And even like, you know, my partner, like he has, he'll get zits on his back or he'll get like, you know, zits on his face and I'll look at them and I'm, I'm noticed them more, right. Because it's something that I notice on myself and I look at them and I have no, I feel nothing. And I'm like, God, wouldn't it be great if I saw that on my face and felt the amount of nothingness that I'm feeling on him right now? Like, I don't care if he had them all over his face. I'd still make out with him, you know? And I think most people feel that way. This is why you're so good at having intimate relationships. And I don't mean intimate in like the sexual or romantic way. I just mean whoever you are with, whether it's your friends or whatever, is when you show up and you talk about your insecurities versus pretending that they're not there, it's an invitation for the other person to do so. And I think showing up to a date with a male where, you know, they, I think the expectation is to not have physical insecurities. You also share with them, like, it's okay if you're insecure about something about your body or your physical Mm -hmm. appearance, which I'm sure is very surprising to men and like opens a a little door to them that nobody has opened before to say, I'm not perfect. And I'm not looking for somebody who's perfect either. Right. And some men, I was in a relationship with one wanted a woman who was perfect. They want women who are, who, who, suppress their insecurities and suppress their, you know, real self. That was a very interesting relationship that I was in. It taught me a lot, but the majority of people I think have their own shit. You know, I have a little brother and my mom always told me, you know, when I would go on dates, I'd be like, should, you know, he hasn't texted me. Should I text him? She's like, you know, boys have insecurities too, Olivia. Boys get nervous too. And put that out there, show up. It's exactly what I was saying 20 minutes ago, right? It is your responsibility to show up for yourself in your life. And whether that means you have to show up by yourself and alone in the mornings or by yourself and alone in the nights or showing up for other people, for yourself with other people, it's your responsibility. How are you going to do it? And it's a huge learning curve, but it changes it changes your life. And and like you said, when you're able to express your insecurities to other people and express things about you that may not be this perfect image of who you are, it allows them to bring you down to earth, right? And that person's own trials in their life become a bit more 
normalized. And then you can have a, an open discussion about it with the out there being kind of this power structure. I've said this to you before, but you have so much wisdom that is not being put into the universe. And I hope that one day you maybe come out with that podcast that you've been talking about for three or four years to showcase this part of you that continues to humble me, make me think, expand my mind and teaches me so much. And that is why I was dying to have you on here. Before we jumped on here, you said, I'm having an anxious week. And I actually am glad I'm having an anxious week so that I can kind of talk from a place of open and brokenness. That's my word, not yours. So your life right now is pretty cool, I would call it. You rolled your eyes. From the outside, very cool. Yeah, so tell everybody what you're what you're doing right now. I'm traveling. I've been living out of a suitcase since November, 2020. Wait, 20, November, 2020? Yeah, that's when I went to New York. I haven't stayed in a place longer than like three months since November, 2020. So whenever <laughs> Olivia, you know, shares where she's going next, the 22 year old in me is like, that's so cool. I wish I could do that. But at the end of the day, you are 29. You keep rolling your eyes every time I say it. And would you say you're too old for this shit? Well, it feels like it sometimes. You were the person that really got me excited about coming here to Bend, Oregon, where I'm living right now. You were like, you're going to love skiing and this is what you have to get to wear and it's going to be great. And I, I went home and was like, I'm going to be fine. Lisa thinks what I'm doing is cool. Lisa's really grounded. It's going to be okay. <laughs> grounded reads cries on her bathroom floor every single morning. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Right. That's, that's grounded. It's like you're sitting on the ground. True. Yeah. You know what I'm doing right now, I will not have the opportunity to do ever again. And I don't think many people have the opportunity to do. So I feel very lucky. I am on a little nomadic journey with my boyfriend, Thomas. We were going to sign a lease in New York and then kind of got over how expensive it was for such little space. And we weren't really sure that our souls were being fed by the city of New York. So we decided to kind of explore, explore different parts of the country. And his like dream for, you know, the last 29 years of his life was to live in a mountain town during winter and like snowboard every day. So we made that dream a reality, came out here and I feel endlessly privileged and grateful to be able to do what we're doing because I know that it's to complain about it really feels, um, it feels, you know, snotty because we are living a very cool life. With that being said, it is really difficult to constantly be moving around. It is really difficult to only have a few things in a suitcase to your name. So much of my happiness comes from like nesting into a home and I don't get to do that. I'm constantly kind of sleeping in other people's bed sheets and living with other people's furniture. And it's really difficult. With that being said, I am constantly being thrown out of my nest. And if you read Pima Chodron, you know that you know, one of the most important things you can do in your life is throw yourself out of the nest because there's nothing else to do but fly, right? You fly or you fall. And so even if your wings are having to work a little bit harder, it's so important to be continually, that's what life is about. It's about throwing yourself out of the nest constantly and making your way back and then throwing yourself out again. And so this is that for me. I'm throwing myself out of the nest. I'm very uncomfortable all the time, living in different places, trying new things. I've never skied before. And now I'm probably headed to my first double black diamond here in the next few weeks. I didn't realize that you had never skied before. Maybe twice or three times. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So not a great skier and I'm getting a lot better. Thankfully I've rollerbladed. So Brink really saved me back in the day. Those Disney channel movies always, always coming back to save you, but I don't love the cold. It's actually not even that cold here compared to New York, but I have no friends here. Tom is like, we have a few friends here actually, but like in the last six months, we haven't had a lot of friends where we've been. And so we've had to spend a lot of time together. Uh, we work in the same place. We live where we work. We hang out all the time and I'm constantly like, there's no ground. And where is my home? I don't really know. And it's been a really amazing lesson to know that my home is here in my heart, in my soul, in my body. And we always kind of talk, I think too, in the wellness world, you know, your body is your sanctuary and your, your body is your home. Treat it like that. But like, this is the first time I've really had the ability to like physically feel the weight of that. And to know that like everything that's carrying me is home right now. And I have to treat it in the ways that it needs to be treated. That means multiple things. That means eating well, and also eating out and eating fast food. That means, you know, working out and sitting on the couch. It's all of these like little things that just kind of make up me feeling grounded enough to move with each day. That's very high level intellectually, emotionally smart. But my favorite was when Tom came up with this idea to bop around and you called me and you're like, so Tom wants to bop around. And I was like, I want to bop. And you were like, bop around. I lost it. We had just seen this amazing apartment in the West Village that I was just talking to you about that was far too expensive and far too small. But I was literally coming up with any excuse I could to like beg him for us to rent it. And I was like, But I think that, and he was like, Olivia, there's actually not a lot of natural light. And I was like, but there's a skylight. Like, when do you get a skylight in New York? We go out to Udon and I don't really even like Udon. And he orders me cold Udon. And I'm like, I get the Udon. And I'm like, why would I want cold Udon in this moment? Like, (laughs) I need to be comforted. You think cold Udon is going to do that for me? And I'm like (laughs) sitting at the table, just trying to keep it together. And he goes, you know, I've been thinking maybe we should just bop for a while. And I just like put my chopsticks down and I'm like holding on to the edges of the table to make sure that I don't completely lose my shit in like the middle of this restaurant in the East Village. And I'm just like, you want to bop? Well, can you like explain to me what bop means? I've been bopping around for the last fucking year. So I don't know where you've been. And I just like, uh, and then, you know, fast forward 20 minutes and I'm sobbing in Washington Square Park. I mean, sobbing. There's like a drug deal happening literally in front of me. And I can't stop crying about the fact that this man who I love wants to bop around. And it was just like, I remember going home and I, I was like, leave me like go out. I need to stay at home. I was like in a sauna blanket, sweating, sobbing, listening to a meditation on YouTube. Like, I don't know if I've ever been. And also meanwhile, living in like a really just kind of yuck sublet. And I don't know, I think that may have been a little rock bottom moment for me. It was not well that evening. And yeah, I was, I was not happy with the idea of bobbing. And then every single person I called was like, that sounds really cool. You should do that. My mom was like, when will you ever have the time to do this in your life? And I was just like, oh, fine, whatever. So I called him and I was like, I think bopping might be a great idea. 
I'm down to bop. Oh my gosh, I cried when you told me that story out of laughter. Especially, I think um, I had either just had a baby or, yeah, probably just had her. And it sounded like the dream to me because the last thing I can freaking do is bop. But I think you bringing to light the idea of traveling for work isn't so amazing as it portrays itself on the internet. It's really ungrounding, like you said. Like I... As much as I literally haven't left my home in two years, I'm also really grateful that I have my home and my things and my nightstand and my one bathroom and that I haven't packed up one thing of skincare to take with me. And we are our our surroundings. And when your surroundings are constantly changing, it's even harder to control when everything else is going on. So I'm really proud of you for making the move to try bopping. And see where you you land, especially, I mean, I think it's cool just because America has so much to offer. Yeah. And seeing somebody take a tour of America is just really cool. Like all these little hidden, you find the coolest Airbnbs. Yeah. You find the coolest coffee shop. Again, my perspective, not what the reality of it is. There's clearly anxiety every single day that comes with this. How long are we going to be here? What's the big life plan? Where am I going to live? Where do I want to settle? Like all that stuff, you know, constantly coming up, I'm sure. But those are my constant questions. And I always timely ask them right before bed. And Tom's like, you asked me the most serious life questions right before we're about to go to sleep. And I don't know if anyone else does that, but I will Mm -hmm. say the lesson to be learned from this, stop putting everything into what you see online. As somebody who shares their life online, I can tell you, okay, the highlight reel, but like truly understand that it is a highlight reel that nobody can share everything that nobody is willing to share everything. I am not even willing to share everything. And nobody should. Nobody should. There needs to be privacy. You need to take what you see with a grain of salt. And you need to understand that if you're constantly living in this, like, I want to be doing that. I want to be doing this. I want to be living that life. I want to be living this life. You're living in a scarcity mindset. And you need to be focusing on what you have and the abundance you have in your life because you will get nowhere. You will just get nowhere if you put yourself into that. Beautiful. So to wrap up this little interview, if you will, really a conversation, just two questions. Yes. What is one imperfection that you have that you wish you could change? There's so many. I guess one of the imperfections that I have that I wish I could change would be my, you know, ability to feel like I can control everything and my want and need to control everything. I do wish I could relax a little bit more. And it's a, it it causes a lot of turmoil in my own life and those around me. And it's funny, like my imperfection is my want to be perfect. Right. But it's also, you know, attributes to your success. Mm. A lot of times that intensity is what drives you getting up in the morning, creating, showing up, all of that. So it's kind of a loaded question, but I was curious what you were going to say, because I just think you're perfect all around. Everything's a double-sided coin, but I don't think people would be as cool if they were perfect. You know what I mean? I think imperfections are cool. And my last question, because you are such a creative, is what inspires you to create versus what negates your creativity? Well, everything inspires me. I've been thinking about that a lot but it's the littlest things. It's like the way that the sun shines into a certain part of the house. It's the way that, that I see colors in food or colors, you know, out in nature. I don't even know how to put into words what inspires me to create, but it's very personal for me, but it's also how I make people feel and how I feel myself. And that's a, that's a really beautiful thing. 
What negates my ability to be creative is feeling ashamed about kind of finding inspiration in every little thing, because I think it can be kind of annoying and kind of like, here she is taking another fucking video of, you know, the bubbles in our coffee. And I need to be able to express that part of me. So what negates it is, you know, when I feel insecure about it or when other, you know, outside forces make me feel insecure about it. When other people stifle your creativity. Yeah, I just don't, I don't want to be stifled. Um, and I, I want everybody to feel creative in their own way. And, and I need, I need that too. And I will mention that you created, you are the founder of the slow coffee pour on Instagram. I swear to God, that got so fucking popular on TikTok during COVID. And I was like, I missed the year because that was me. Yeah, that's how I feel about so many of my things too. I'm just I like- know. 10 years ago, and I would be, but I would have so many regrets of all the other things that I would have put online. You'd be riding high. Well, it's very true. And I will say that the slow coffee pour may not have gotten me fame, but it did get me Thomas, who I love dearly. Our relationship started with him sending me a a video of him doing slow coffee pour. Well, that's all that matters. So maybe at the end of the day, that's, that's all it was for. And that makes me happy. I love everything you do creatively and I'm so proud of you, honored to know you and thank you for living your, your truthiest life and sharing here today, the parts of you that aren't as aesthetically pleasing as your Instagram. Cause that's the part of you that I love the most. Welcome to the circus people. Welcome. Grab some popcorn. The elephants are coming out. Coming out. <laughs> thank you for having me. You complimented me far too much, but I feel really grateful that I was able to, to have this more public conversation with you. So we're going to share everything Olivia below if you don't already follow. And if you do, you will not be disappointed. And I think you'll really love looking at her feed and what she creates versus the part of her that you got to experience today. So thanks, Olivia. Thank you. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.